0: Jason bailey Losh, and you're listening to Scene is Forgetting. Conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Today we talk to the artists Ian James and Matt Siegel. They run a gallery here in Los Angeles called Metro PCS. It's in Chinatown. I generally hate when at the beginning of the podcast somebody explains how much fun the podcast is and you're really going to enjoy what you hear. For me, though, this conversation was a lot of fun. They go into each of their own individual practices, but they also talk about working together sort of as a a collaborative team on uh, shows they put together, but also as partners in this relationship of dealing with, I think, what they believe is a project, not necessarily a, a gallery space. It's interesting to learn how two artists approach running a space that they feel offers opportunities for other artists and how we look at that as an audience and deal with it in our own terms and that's interpreted and shot back at them so here's Ian and Matt Talking a little bit before about your exhibition space Metro PCS, mm-hmm. and I asked you if it was a nonprofit, and your answer was that it was a no profit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, finally articulated no profit <laughs> space. <laughs>
0: I it's very lovely though. I like it. So the reason you guys are on the show is because I really enjoy both of your practices as artists, but also you run space and I thought it was a it was something that was happening around Los Angeles and sort of a greater whole where artists were starting up spaces and I mean it's not just LA it's all over the place actually but LA it seems to be a model that can be sustained over a longer period of time than it does in some other cities at least while artists have a, sort of a larger practice and are working in it can you guys talk a little bit about uh, Metro PCS? and actually why the hell did you pick that name because i can never find it on google when i'm
1: looking up on the map <laughs> it comes up one of the fir- if you if you google metro pcs los angeles it will it, it's one of the first results actually i
2: think when you're logged into your gmail then <laughs> gmail and google know <laughs> that you're looking for that one in particular <laughs>
0: i have logged out of
1: my gmail and it still does it i got to tell you every
0: time i have to look up an email where i got an invite from you guys and i'm like where's the damn address again
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Big question. So wait, so the question is, why is it named MetroPCS?
0: Qu- that's one of the questions. Uh-huh. I, I want to know how the space came into sort of fruition mm-hmm. and where where it comes from in general. Why did you guys start it? I mean, there's like a bunch
2: of sort of dangling threads that all of a sudden kind of like tied together. Uh, Matt and I were both in kind of like a weird studio zone, like up the street. I had this like kind of idealized thing in my mind of wanting to find a way to basically have a bigger studio and have space to basically show essentially like people I felt like that were around us that were really smart and making interesting work and weren't getting shown for whatever. So work that wasn't
0: being shown that you thought should be shown. Yeah. yeah. Or just like
2: people that are just rad and um, their work's not getting shown for other reason. Maybe they're like timid about it. They're not necessarily trying to chase after uh, studio visits with gallerists. gallerist. Uh, maybe it's like not commercial since LA's commercial scene can maybe be thought of as a little conservative. But I've been looking for, you know, some kind of space for a long time and like really been striking out with something that would be affordable. So let's explain what the space actually is. What does yeah. it look like? So it's uh, three storefronts that are on the second floor of this kind of like low slung building in Chinatown. Um, the whole floor of this building used to be the Cambodian consulate. And had been so for like 15 or 20 years. Oh, I didn't
0: know that at all.
2: Yeah, little known fact. And uh, the (laughs) consular was working with all these essentially like immigration uh, attorneys because Cambodian nationals needing visa assistance would come in here to this consulate and get help from the lawyers and be advised by the consular. And consulates operate really different from from embassies in this way, where it's just like you can start a consulate basically anywhere as long as you're in good favor with the foreign government that you're representing. So there's really like not official in the same way an embassy was. This guy, He Yang, lived in Alhambra, had kids and a wife out there, had this uh, consulate, went back to Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia. And the lawyers who were still working basically next to us told us that basically he fell in love with like a 19 year old dancer from small town in Cambodia and just never returned. This is an amazing story. (laughs) So (laughs) the consulate essentially dissolved and they shed uh, three of the five spaces that they had. And those three spaces were vacant for five years. And I randomly stumbled across them for rent on Craigslist and the brother of the landlord, who's kind of like a bit of a do-gooder was advertising. He just wanted to get someone in there that would do some sort of like public outreach of some sort. Uh, and I wrote to him and, uh, said you know, I'm just looking for a studio and he was like, well, you know, you should just take the whole space. And I was like, well, is it affordable? Like how cheap is it? And then he just wrote back like in all caps that it was cheap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please take the whole space.
2: Yeah. So I went and met him one night, like a couple of days before Christmas. Uh, this is in like 2012 and he didn't even have keys to get in the space. He was just like a real kind of space case, but they were offering this really good deal. And I knew I wanted to like have a partner in the thing and Matt and I had been friends for a very long time, been collaborators in certain aspects and we went and looked at the space. And
0: you guys were in school together too, right? California yeah. studio.
2: Yeah. Arts. We had been in school from two thousand seven to two thousand nine and this is kinda like late two thousand twelve.
0: So you'd been a few years apart. It was time to get the team back well, together.
1: Well, we had yeah. we, we, been f- like close friends that entire time mm-hmm. and had um, collaborated on some more art related projects rather than organizational related projects. Yeah, we've um, done a
0: couple performances. So There's I noticed a lot of skiing. This is one of the things I did. <laughs> this is one of the <laughs> things I noticed. I looked at. I was looking at both of your CVs, and on both of your CVs, it had a heading that most CVs don't have. Mm-hmm. And it was for uh, projects, or what, what's the title? Is it Cura- project? curatorial projects? Yeah, or or is special, it, or, or, or special organizational projects, organizational projects, Organiz- organizational special projects on uh-huh. there. But you both had those on there, and one of those was the gallery, yeah. Metro PCS. Was this part of the thinking and in going into there that this was going to be a special project and not necessarily a gallery, or how did that? How did that go?
2: I we, think did, you know we looked at the spaces, and then we basically went and sat in a car and like talked about the possibilities for it. I think we both like, you know, without even having to fully talk it out, like recognize this like possibility of what this thing could be and like what it could be and also what we didn't want it to be. I do know. What do you think, Matt?
1: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, at least I had organized some art shows before taking on this space. So to me, it was just like a, a kind of like logical growth of some art organizational projects that I had done while I was in CalArts, but also in the in the years after that and I had always wanted to with these bringing shows together like do them in more kind of alternative transient style spaces like um houses that were being turned over between tenants or what have you and um, this when when Ian brought it to me it seemed like a way that I could do it in a more less Perman-
0: white less white wall gallery space more well, alternative in, space
1: it, well in a way that was more permanent but also kind of allowed us to still have a kind of voice that was outside of a of a real gallery or curatorial practice
0: i've considered like opening up spaces and stuff too here in LA because it just seems right a lot of the time mm-hmm. when you want to to show the work you want to see and it's not being being shown but for me the thought process is always I don't want to go open up a space because then I can't do my own practice. If I don't insulate myself from being a gallerist instead of being an artist, then I will lose that practice in some sort of way. Was that a consideration when you guys were guys putting this together or not? It was. And we yeah. were
1: always really always like, you know, it's a constant conversation. And particularly in the say. first year
2: you know people really want to just define you in one way or another they want to be like you're this now or you're that now or,
1: like are, are you transforming into a commercial space or are you going to become a non like what what will you be when i remember not, not what are you
2: immediately saying within the first like few shows like so you guys are gallerists now which oh. always struck me as really funny and like we always kind of in our own sort of Heads with their own kind of mission statement was always like we're artists first, we're our studio practice. Well, of course, first. right? But yeah.
0: yeah, when you put yourself in that context and you actually open up a venue for people, I mean, people want shows; they need shows. Yeah, right. So all of a sudden, you become someone who can provide that. Mm-hmm. So it changes sort of your position in 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 a social network too. It does,
2: and I guess it. We wanted to handle it in a way where it's like we were. A, not really obviously wanting to be gallerists, but also not wanting to be curators and more wanted to kind of pick people and let them do their thing. And if they want to involve us in the decision-making, cool. But This is
0: one of the great things about the project too, or Mm -hmm. the organizational thing that is Metro PCS, is that the curators that you bring in or the people that you allow to have that space and sort of work with it are very diverse. Mm -hmm. A, A good example is the show that's currently up. Can you speak a little bit about that?
1: So that show is, it's called Mushrooms and Honey, and it's organized by Nick Kramer, who um, he's an artist that we have shown in the past. He he did a solo project in the space. He was one of the first shows that we did. And he's a fantastic artist and also a friend of all three of ours, actually. And he he recently has also started organizing shows. And in this kind of also a, a sort of freeform way about like context is never really a gallery specific thing and he he was starting to work on this project that was a show to be based in an alleyway an, a, an unused alleyway in Echo Park is organized by um, a woman named Julia Leonard and that's an ongoing project that, too. that's an ongoing pro- project of hers and so he started to think of this show that would be artists whose work that he very loosely associates with the outdoors. And as he started to really kind of firm this idea up, he decided that he wanted to, I mean, a a, a corollary of a show that is artists that are related to the outdoors is that there perhaps is some indoor transformation of that in one way or another, or a kind of rhizomatic expansion of that. So he approached us about housing what would be the sort of longer longer indoor exhibition form of what was essentially a really transient outdoor art show. So all the artworks in it are people that were in this outdoor show and there is... That opened earlier in the day and yeah, the secondary opened, show opened
0: ev- in the evening.
1: That's correct. And the artworks in the indoor show have either a very direct relationship, a direct physical relationship or some kind of psychic or cursory yeah, theoretical link to the work that's shown outside. You,
0: you are actually in that show as well too.
1: And as is Ian. Yeah, um, you're both in
0: it. We're both in the show. Yeah. So this might be a good way to start talking a little bit about your guys's work. I, I'll say this too. You're not in every show that is at the gallery. Definitely. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. And, and, and that, that is something also that we were really, we really were, Very, very hesitant to do that. In conscience Um, of, I I bet. Yeah. Going into our third year there, ideas on that started to change a little bit just because it sort of seemed like we're in this space where we're sort of a no profit. Why not? And, and, And we've laid the grounds of what it is. Like, why not? I was interested in organizing a performance show and I also do some performances sometimes. So that kind of kicked that ball off and... I did a performance in the space, and it was a really great experience because I felt I completely knew every in and out of what it would be like to make an exhibition or a performance in that space, and I could just, like, highly control everything in this way that was just extremely articulate. Ian had also been thinking about doing something, too, and after I did the performance, I was like, Ian, you got to do it. It's, like, it's a pretty good time, you know, because it's just, like, you so can control things in this way that is like you know it so well it's it's like having the force or something it's like totally effortless <laughs> so. you know, it's like you know the names of uh, each of the studs in the wall or something <laughs> yeah. you can call upon their
2: assistance
0: this is one of the things i've thought about this a lot too i curated a show at my gallery here in la uh not Eggby, the one i show at. i have this idea and it was a premise but it was formed out of my own work and this thought process of like I'm going to show everybody else except my own work because I was going to be on some curatorial high horse, and then I was like, you know what? Screw that. This is about the things I'm already thinking about. And it's I'm a conversation. It's a conversation, yeah. and it, the the whole reason I'm doing it is to learn and sort of grow. Mm-hmm. So to show the work in there, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if you do it every single show, well, yeah, then then there's an issue. But I think if you are having a conversation and you're expanding sort of this this thought or this the dialogue, then that's fantastic.
2: And I think we were. I mean, I really. Um, even after agreeing to, you know, after Matt and I talked about it, I was like, I'll do this show in there. I really felt pretty funny about it for a long time, even up to about the opening. Because you think. just
0: had, let's explain this though. You just had a solo show a before solo show the, the one before that Before this curated show, yeah. It, it was really interesting. The way that Matt describes using the space and understanding it, mm-hmm. it felt like the entire space was a part of the piece in this really crazy sort of weird way.
2: Yeah, and it came out of exactly how Matt sort of uh, mentioned. It came really out of just, like, knowing
1: the space and looking at it really hard, and particularly for me, I think looking at the floor really hard. (laughs) Well, (laughs) The the floor, to to articulate for people who have not been there, is this, like, kind of crazy... Static. Yeah, <laughs> it's linoleum. like an crappy linoleum, linoleum that like looks like a cross between a magic eye and an old like TV snow <laughs> fuzz. And it's
2: faded in certain ways where it's gone more neutral or more yellow, and then like it's really different from like linoleum square, to linoleum square.
0: It's also you have a drop ceiling in that room as well
2: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like a pesky drippy patch. It's it's a super sexy
0: room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would also, while while we're talking about the space, I would like to mention that most people perceive the space as a rectangle. It's actually a rhombus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was created out of the bigger space that exists between those three places. Um, I, I deeply think that that actually has a, like, a, a somewhat unsettling effect. You're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's so It's like something
0: out of a Kubrick movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. And I don't I don't know if I can fully like put this
2: into words, but definitely like feeling okay about doing the show in there. I think it came down to like this idea of artists having agency. Well, like just trying to have agency over your own work in a way and right. like not relying entirely on like a patronage model where someone has to walk up and say, like, I'm giving you this show. And that was part of the, one of the places <sighs> we came from, you know, originally was wanting to find, you know, address people that we weren't having shows for whatever reason. It was always, for the most part, really dedicated to doing solo shows for that same reason. So it's like someone doing like a single person show can really like work through some ideas and like figure some things out, you know, and not even just like, oh, we're picking you because you have this one amazing thing. It's like we're picking you because we think you're going to do something really interesting. And in a lot of cases, we didn't even know what that was. Like the first show, the first guy we picked, this guy, Alvaro uh, Guillen, like we had no idea what he was going to do whatsoever. Why'd you pick him? Uh, kind of for that wild card status. Because you had no clue what We knew he on. was a really I mean, interesting artist. We'd seen his work because so we went to school with him, but we didn't know really what he was doing then. He'd been doing fabrication in the Bay Area for people. We knew he would do something that would be unexpected and kind of great.
1: I mean, and I think part of it too is like in this idea of wa- wanting to show work that's not being shown. A- at the beginning, I think you couldn't necessarily articulate this idea that there was like a certain voice that we wanted to put forward as things developed on and we were showing more and more of this doing, doing more shows that were part of these artwork that's not getting shown. Otherwise it's like, Oh, actually there's a real kind of voice. And in an this felt like there was an there. intent,
2: there was a vibe that started. To yeah. Echoless. And it, it
1: really yeah. started, it really gelled actually in this way that was kind of surprising to me actually. And it, Once I sort of started to understand that, it made sense. Oh, well, of course we chose Alvaro at first, even though it was sort of from the hip. All of those decisions to choose the things that are not being shown, thats just it's just a voice that's not being heard. And so once it's out there, it's like, oh, well, that's what that is. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I noticed too when I was at the last show, I was walking out and a major gallerist from New York was coming in. She was like, oh, Jason, you're leaving. I was like, yeah, what are you doing here in the middle of Chinatown? I was like, this is fantastic. You're coming to see this show. It was really great. Some of that definitely happened at this last show where in the past, I feel like it's really been,
2: felt like a artist gallery in this way where it's like all the artists are there, but not <laughs> the gallerists or curators or like collectors are there ever. I'm really happy to hang out with all the artists. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, you know, in, in, in that sense, like to go back to the whole no profit thing, because like we we haven't had any of those pressures. We haven't had any sales pressures because they <laughs> don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> we do. But we also don't have like nonprofit pressures too, which is a certain other kind of fiscal responsibility mm-hmm. and a, a sort of a, a responsibility to show one thing or another. Do you know what's we, funny
0: about that to me though, is that you have had artwork in there that I know sells and it sells incredibly well. <laughs> there are, if it was in mm-hmm. another place, it would have sold. So there's that something. That was the one time we had sales pressure. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but it's it, it's not that... It's just that it's so... it's it, I feel like it's one of those places, like if you're in LA, you're in the know if you are able to go and see a really good show
2: there. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, it's yeah. what we strive for. And I think part of the reason maybe we also don't have sales It's like, again, like we put being artists first. So it's like we don't put a huge effort into like courting collectors and getting them there, which in some ways maybe is like could be seen as a disservice to the artist, but just not one of the
0: things that we offer I, as part of the... Or having a gallery name that's easy to find. And address <laughs> yeah. Too.
2: Which we I guess we never addressed why yeah. that name yeah, happened. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it back around.
1: <laughs> future, future casting. <laughs> yeah, we had been sitting, because that area of Chinatown, I mean, all of Chinatown, all of LA, it seems like at this point, it um, like the the oldest L.A. trope is to name the gallery after the thing that it was before. Mm-hmm. Was it a Metro PCS? No, it was no. never a Metro PCS. See, that's what <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, and so the idea <laughs> was that. That's what it's that, turning into.
2: Yeah, the idea is <laughs> that the neighborhood is gentrifying and that there's a Metro PCS everywhere and that given this, you know, sort of idealized square footage, it would fit really well as like a Metro PCS store, but it's not one yet. But once we are kicked out by the landlords when they sell the building, it one. will become
0: a Metro PCS. It's, it's sort of a genius title. Yeah.
2: We Thanks. also like also want to like kind of like you know sort of make fun of that model a little bit, but also try to like you know forecast our own demise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Let's talk about where you guys are. How you originally came to LA. Matt, you're
1: from LA. No, you're not. <laughs>
0: no. I thought wait, I was looking at your CV. No,
1: no. I I'm sort of. I've uh, I was born in New York State, and I lived there until I was ten. And oh, then, you
0: know what? It just says lives and works in Los Angeles. It doesn't say born in Los Angeles. That's that's the fine print. Very deceptive. Eats dinner in Los Angeles. <laughs> Eats dinner in L.A. Hyperloop to San Francisco. Okay, so breakfast.
1: wait, you were born in New York? Yeah, New York State. Oh, this makes it more interesting then. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and I lived there until I was 10, and then my family moved to um, San Jose uh, in 1990. So you grew up in San Jose, essentially. Yeah, adolescent years were in, in San Jose from 1990 to 1998. San Jose the Bay Area Silicon Valley it's always a strange place but that was also particularly a strange moment because that was the first really the first wave of like the internet boom that the whole area was really transforming in this very brutal way for the first time it, it it had done that before when computer companies moved in in the 70s but this was the first kind of like hardcore now we're really tearing down all the orchards type of uh fast development
0: so you were ready to get out and you were like i'm gonna go to dartmouth <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was like well you know i was kind of kind of a huge hippie then <laughs> um, <laughs> Spent a lot of time in high school riding the bus over to santa cruz <laughs> seriously oh <laughs> yeah, my God, totally. that's too good um so i i, I went uh, back to the east coast to go and hang out in the woods and i went to undergrad originally to study science which I did. Anything uh, in particular, or what? Uh, genetics. Really? Yeah. And um, why did you not pursue that? Because you were a kid. And- well, no, I mean it's really it's really fascinating stuff, but I, you know, I was never really interested in being a doctor. And um, the like lab research side of that is felt just like way too contained for me. It's very, your your vision in that context is very focused in a way that is, just doesn't allow for a greater world exploration. You're exploring the world on a like microscopic molecular level, but you're not seeing what's going on like in that dirty alleyway behind your house got more interested in art making because it was something that allowed me to really explore in, in kind of a similar scientific process method, but um, in the, the larger world.
0: So out of Dartmouth,
1: where did you go? I moved to New York City.
0: Oh, you did for how long?
1: Uh, Five and a half years. What What years were you there? I was there uh, early 2002 through uh, late 2007. Oh, we were but there? Summer, th- summer 2007, We were there at the same time. Yet really? Yeah. I graduated,
0: uh, from SVA in 2007. Oh yeah. So yeah, we overlapped we really for were. two years. It's yeah. really crazy. But that's just, I mean, that city's so big in the community, the artist yeah. community. If we, w- if we overlapped in LA, we would have run into each other Yeah. I- in New York. It's no surprise that we didn't.
1: Right. That city is like Los Angeles. It's just so huge. And as in LA, there are many art worlds that you can be involved in. And so like, that we didn't overlap is not surprising. They're very segmented though. I I feel
0: like New York is more segmented and sort of like how those things are sort of uh, parsed out. Right. It's harder to even know that some of those things exist or to even get into them to begin with. Uh, That's why when I came to LA, it was just such a different vibe. Right. So then you went to grad school and you came to grad school out here?
1: Yeah. So I I had this like whole kind of like vision quest process of figuring out where I wanted to go to grad school and um, actually... Came very, very close to going to grad school in the UK. Whereabouts? Um, to the Glasgow School of Art. Yeah. Uh, but I backed out of that decision at the last minute. Um, oh, you
0: committed already. You were, were going to go.
1: Uh, I hadn't signed a paper, but I was, you know. You were like booking the flight. You were ready to get. Well, on. they wanted me to come over and visit wow to commit. And so I went. Why did you not do it? You know, I had been living in... Uh, in New York for some time at that point and on the East Coast and going there for, uh, to see what, you know, the school and the city was really all about. Uh, it made me realize how much I, um, was actually deeply, deeply a West Coast person and right, how and when I did he get back. Yeah, and like it, it, it made me realize that I didn't really understand this place where I had spent my more formulative years, but it was under my skin enough that
0: you needed to sort of discover it and come back in and see what, what was going
1: on. Yeah, I just needed to re explore yeah. it as an adult. And also, it seemed also like very exciting moving to California did at that time. I don't know if it seems that way anymore still, but. Um, <laughs> It, it was a weird thing where I could feel excited about it for the second time, moving to California right. for the second time. St- like, felt really exciting, and that was very palpable to me, and I felt like I shouldn't ignore that feeling. And I think part of that had to do with my fatigue with New York and, you know, this very kind of vibrant scene that I had been involved in in uh, Greenpoint and Williamsburg and that sort of um, dying. Felt like sort of an end in time to sort of move. Yeah, you know, the the frontier... <laughs> Right. Moving away. (laughs) Shangri-La. Oregon Trail. Um, So, Ian, you're
0: originally from Texas. Just kidding. You're from Ohio. Alaska. (laughs) You actually stayed in Ohio for undergrad, right?
2: Yeah, I had this weird commitment when I was like a teenager to sort of like punk rock blue-collar values, I think, a little bit. Really? Yeah, there was this like thing in me and i hadn't necessarily s- decided straight out that i wanted to go to like a state school but there was this thing of i did the same thing a little bit of like anti-elitism a little bit and i came from a really like despite the fact how much i hated it i became from a really blue-collar town despite the fact that my parents were not and i think there was this thing where where i went to school at ohio state it was giant in this way kind of like what matt was talking about in relationship to uh exploring the world i was just You know, I can be friends with biologists, I can be friends with geneticists, and I can be friends
0: with sociologists. Well, you get this broad spectrum of things that you wouldn't get if you were going to art school.
2: Yeah, and I was, you know, I went as a journalism major. I wasn't interested, I was interested in art, but I didn't think it was something that seemed like it could be viable as a, you know, 19-year-old whatever the fuck you know when you're 19 went kind of for that reason for that broad purview that you know that potentially could offer and trying to avoid going into massive student loan debt that I would then later go into for grad
0: school (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna avoid that completely until moving
2: on (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um but yeah it was good and I wound up through journalism studying photography which I'd always been taking pictures for a long time uh, and the photography school was essentially not only in the art department, but was run by a bunch of conceptual artists. By, it had this really interesting at Ohio State? At Ohio State. And it had wow. this really interesting lineage where Alan Sakula and Tom Anderson had been sort of a part of the photo program as it was part of the cinema studies program in the 1980s at Ohio State. And they were both sort of fingered as Marxists by the dean at the time. So the program was sort of taken out of Cinema Studies, cinema studies and moved into... The fine art department, and then Anderson, Tom Anderson, and Alan cool who later later wound up at Cal Arts, were both sort of like forced out in this really like acrimonious way. So it held these like really interesting histories to it, which appealed to me, and it was kind of a similar thing where it was. You knew that before you went in. I knew that through being in there for the first like term or two. Yeah, and uh, it was you really were a highly,
0: fascinating. Highly educated freshman.
2: Uh, this, I mean, I didn't work my way into the art department until I was probably like a sophomore or junior. Right, because that's the way it works, right? Yeah, you know, because if you're going to moonlight from another department, they usually make you wait a little bit to try to like get in there and start moonlighting. But I did totally kind of moonlight for a while, and then um, the reason I wound up, I was also kind of moonlighting in the creative writing department and was doing some writing stuff and met this really rad girl and she
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) sort of like
2: dragged me a little bit to LA, which this was late 2004. I've kind of been here a a long time and it was really interesting to try to move here then because it was not seen as cool at all. Like all of my friends when it I was it graduating. Was yeah, all my friends <laughs> yeah, were <they> like were. <laughs> giving me a really hard time about moving here, you know, because it was like you move to New York, you move to, you know, Chicago or San Francisco. Like no one was moving to LA at the time. And being someone I think I as also, I'm always kind of interested in sort of like malign cultures and like why that might be. And so like the fact that people, really were hating on it was sort of interesting to me. And I was incredibly tired of winter at this point. You were like,
0: that's where I want to be. People hate it and I want to live there because of the weather.
2: Yeah. Like the winter is going to be amazing. And I drove, I arrived in LA on like Thanksgiving weekend and it was just the best thing. With the girl? She came out actually like two or three months ahead of me and got an apartment in MacArthur Park. And uh, I had no idea what MacArthur Park was or any of these things. It's got to be a complete shithole back then. It was, it was pretty bad. (laughs) It wasn't as bad as it was in the nineties, but you know, where they were finding bodies in the lake. But I remember mentioning it to a family friend who came out to Los Angeles all the time for work stuff. They were like, dear Lord. Well, he was like, Oh, I hear you're moving to LA. That's so cool. Like, where are you going to live? You going to live in like Santa Monica or something. I was like, I don't know. Uh, My girlfriend found this place in MacArthur Park. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> we, I'll visit your
0: funeral in like Yeah. Six months. And
2: like, you know, for the first six months, I didn't go into the parks. It sort of scared the, you know shit out of me. But I do deeply love that neighborhood. It seems to me as like one of like the realest places in the city because it has what this like really maximum population there, density.
0: There's new galleries opening up down there. Let's I know.
2: And I wrote this note to myself like two years ago that said Macarthur Park will never be ruled, and like it's starting to happen. So I guess yeah. really anything can be gentrified in this. In city, a weird way, it's
0: still sort of scary. Depending on what time and day it can be you go.
2: scary, yeah. And I had a studio there. Like I lived there for a few years, and then I lived in Lincoln Heights, and then um, I had a studio there in Macarthur Park for a while, Alvarado and Wilshire, uh, in this really funny kind of medical building. You uh, know what though? I
0: I, I was in Bushwick. When it was not nice either. Okay, so I really white bread by saying MacArthur Park's really not.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's as, at least so it's far, totally the, the galleries that are there are all great, but you know, like the, just whole, keep s- um, the whole city. Just yeah, ske- Keebum is awesome. Uh, he's a friend of ours. who has been really supportive of Metro PCI. He's coming on later uh, in the week. Amazing. And you know, I really deeply love Vacancy and, and
0: Parkview. Vacancy's on tomorrow. Yeah, like those are all They're all great people, people. Yeah, Paul it's Soto, like... Parfew. So you were here, but then you applied to grad school while you were actually
2: here. Yeah, I here. was here, and I knew I wanted to go to grad school, but didn't know if it was going to be here. I really had no, I don't know, the, the woman I moved here with who was amazing, we had a pretty tumultuous relationship, but I was like, this is like going to be 50-50. This is going to work out. I wound up staying. We didn't wind up staying together, but I wound up staying and going to grad school uh, here, and then that kind of like sealed the deal in this weird way of like staying here. Like I thought maybe I'd be here for one or two or three years and then after school or what, even like, I just didn't even think I would go to school here. I thought I would like move out of the country. I thought I would go to New York. I thought I'd go somewhere else and, um, going to school here. Then like, I just met so many, you know, amazing people and it was just like sort of laid this groundwork for all this potential things that could
0: happen. So I guess that's, this leads into a good question. Mm -hmm. Why are you both still here? Why did you decide as artists to stay in LA for the extended period of time that you've stayed here? you are i was i was saying this earlier before before we started recording i look at you guys and i think you're sort of quintessential like la artist you've been mm-hmm. here for a long time you've shown a lot here you are very rooted in sort of the fabric of the uh, arts community here so why i mean in my case it's like it's it hasn't stopped
2: being rewarding and it hasn't gotten boring like there's times where i get fed up with it you know and like a day to day like fuck this place i need to go somewhere else but that For could the be most anywhere. part, yeah, well, absolutely. It could be it's this total kind of location therapy, but I mean, the city is so much has happened, so much has changed. It's always sort of interesting, and I feel like just the opportunities have been afforded here. I don't know where else they would happen. They certainly don't seem like they
1: happen in New York. What about you, Matt? Um, you know, I, I had someone kind of point blank ask me the other day if I uh, if I liked living in Los Angeles and I was like really shooting from the hip. And I said, you know, not really actually. And, and she was like, huh, that's sort of interesting. She's like, well, why why do you still live here? And my response is sort of like, well, I I don't really know where else I would go.
0: So what, why don't you like living
1: here? What's the reasons you don't?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's maybe the better question, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and I I don't want to like, I'm not being down on things. Yeah, but talk like too negatively about this this place because you know I do have this deep fascination with California. I'm always really, very positive about it. So I'd yeah. like to hear
0: the the op- opposing sort of viewpoint on it.
1: Well, for one, I think I actually think the city is stressful in a way that a lot of people maybe it's just for me personally, but like driving is is a stressful thing and moving around it is not easy and uh, you know, it interpersonally, it's hard to locate yourself. Because you have to make
0: an effort to get out there. You either like, have to make get an to effort, yourself. But,
1: but also like no one really knows to, where to locate themselves physically, psychically, what have you. So it, it, there, there's all this kind of work to try and be who you are. And I find that very stressful. There are some dialogues that don't really take root here because they, it's just not within the dominant culture of the city. Every city is like that in one way or another.
0: So can you give me an example or not? In broad strokes, like what what type of dialogues are not being discussed or that that are not prominent?
1: Well, I think within like artwork, say, there's not a ton of attention onto dialogues that dive really deep. You think it's very surface? I don't think it's surface necessarily. I, I think that this a, a kind of like real inquisitive nature doesn't doesn't really go down the rabbit hole. I say it that way because I also think that there isn't a real interest in things that get dark.
0: There's a lot of curiosity, but not a lot of depth.
2: Well, people have a real problem, it seems like, with nuance, which is something I even noticed in grad school. Like in what way? What do you mean? People just don't want to spend time looking there's not like a dedication like extended looking like trying to unpack something trying to feel okay with maybe not understanding something when they first look at it and then trying to go through that process or or trying
1: to feel trying to like there i feel like there's also an uncomfortableness with like feeling okay with um quote unquote bad emotions or feelings or bad knowledge like those things are not people don't want to entertain that necessarily at least in a way that I find to be substantial. Interesting. I can
0: totally see it. Mm -hmm. I think like when I was in graduate school too, that was one of the first lessons I learned too, is that that public that comes in to look at the work can be very fickle and cursory and not spend the time with anything and just be very, I think the viewer was more surface than I thought. So I think some of the work that comes out of that can tend to be less uh, heartfelt than it, actually needs to be in some in
1: some ways to also to kind of loop back to my other to to the to the source of this conversation too. like why do i not love it here and this is like appropriately sort of surface la thing for me to say but I really don't like the weather, actually. It's a very morose
0: conversation.
1: <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a vampire. Like, I don't love the sun. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. I don't think there's anything to hate about the weather out here.
2: The only thing I don't like is the summer. Like, the, like, to be fair, the summer's more like four or maybe even five months. It sort of, like, goes from kind of, like, July to October, June, July to October. But, like... The winter here is incredible.
0: Dude, you're from the fucking Midwest. I know. We're but the Midwest, in. the summers are like 105 and like a muggy humidity heat. I know, but have you been to like Seattle in the winter? Okay, the this summertime? is, here's the deal. You <laughs> can't, <laughs> you're not going to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't get everything you want. It's true. You can't get everything. Come on,
0: guys.
1: <laughs> but the winter here is just, I don't know. It blows me away. I really deeply love it. The the one thing, you know, the, there's, I do think that this is like, an endlessly fascinating city to live in. It's crazy. Like yeah. there's so many weird, crazy things. Here. And and there's mm. a there's a lot of weirdos here. Too, there's so many weirdos. Awesome. <laughs> it's
0: pretty amazing. Yeah. There's like no other city like it in that way. I see yeah. some every day.
2: I mean, I feel like you see a lot of weirdos in in New York too. But like, it's a different level. It's, it's a totally a, different spectrum. There's like a brain friedness here with the weirdos that is really different. Like, yeah, I don't know what it is.
0: It's good. It's nasty. Good.
2: We had this guy. That turns out his name is Jimmy, but we kept referring to him as the bushes guy the bushes for a long guy. time. <laughs> and he was living in the bushes outside of our still, uh, building. Still kinda does. Yeah, he kind of comes. Was watching, and he,
1: he was watching TV in there the other day. Yeah, he's got, he's got a <laughs> he's got a chair. But like we we got in this
2: weird bind where we kind of were like, do we need to show this guy? Because he was. <laughs> he was finding them because, like, we're in Chinatown, so everyone's so, getting shipments of like seafood and stuff that come in these big like styrofoam oh. bins. And he was like breaking up the styrofoam making and sculptures. like making sculptures out of it, like a crazy mad you, like do alchemist. Do you need to give him a show? They were so good, but it was kind of like you were afraid to come too close to him because he had this like sort of insane aura. It's like once you in, once you take it there, like he's gonna grab onto you and never ever yeah, let you go. Let go. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to move.
0: What do you guys, so we've talked about your space. We've talked a little bit about where you guys came from. And as I say, in sort of every interview, I want people to go look at the work. Both of you guys are doing amazing things and it's important to sort of go see what you're doing and research both of you individually. But also you guys had a show together recently. It was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah. Yep. I, the I was not able to go, obviously, but <laughs> no one was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only so, the
0: Jacksonians were there. <laughs> have you guys shown together before? Um, and what was sort of the impetus of the show? Like it was, it looked amazing.
1: We've we've done a couple of performances together, but never actually really shown artwork together. Maybe in grad school we had a couple of works and shows together, but this was really the first time that it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a dual show. Like, let's see what that's about. Was it offered that way, or was it? Well, so ish? yeah, kind of. <laughs> so uh,
2: this guy Andy Kincaid, who's running this space there called Holiday Forever in Jackson, used to co-run a space called In the Pines with Thomas Macker. And Thomas Macker is a former Keller's person that was like kind of after our time, but was like around. It's like we didn't overlap, but like there was sort of like a atmospheric overlap there. And we were definitely trying to think about. You know, because again, kind of like how Nick Kramer framed this Mushrooms and Honey show, it's like we were both trying to figure out a way that we could get out of LA, you know, get like really out of here, like go to the mountains, like <laughs> see the snow, go hang out with some elk, also, sh- <laughs> also show some art. Yeah. And, and driving back down the 395 from Math one weekend, we were sort of like mining this possibility. And I remembered that Thomas was running the space. So I wrote him, we didn't know Andy yet.
1: It was very like,
2: hey, it was super what's off the going cuff. on. <laughs> and we wrote them and uh, Andy was like, Oh, well, you know, I can't comment on this right now. Like, let me get back to you. And then he got back to us and he was like, Listen, in the pines is dead, but we're I am starting a new space and it's like in my girlfriend's house. It's kind of similar to the park view situation, actually, where it's like they've taken the two front rooms of this beautiful house across the street from the, the Jackson Hole Like Arts Center. Um, and are just dedicating it to exhibition space.
1: formalized the fair. It's gorgeous. It, it works. Really this is well, one of actually. those
0: things too. When you're I can't like emphasize this enough, mm. artists need to take more chances and just ask. Yeah.
2: yeah, it was cool. And he was like, you know, we want people to come out here and like basically make work and then do the show and we want uh, to invite an artist that will then invite an artist. so it creates this kind of like feedback uh, loop to a degree. Um, he's like, so, you know, like you and Matt will come and we're like, well, we can't spend a lot of time there, but we're already working together. And it was really weird because Matt and I are obviously in this constant sort of dialogue with each other and look at each other's work a lot. Um, but we were both super, super duper busy in leading up to this. And so we talked it about what we were going like to show. like maybe like six
0: weeks. Which is sort of nice. It'd be what yeah. like a real random artist coming together relationship would actually be like a little
2: bit more. Yeah. And then when we put the show together, then we actually got there and saw like, we kind of conferred with what we were planning on showing. But when we put the show together, it was, holy shit. It was like, are we... A like the same person. <laughs> it was like these different approaches that had some similar like vibes and interests were divergent at the same time. Came together in this generative way. It's that, like, incredibly
1: cohesive. It was really lovely in that way. And, and kind of really unplanned, yeah. actually. If you're gonna shove this shit in the room, I'm gonna shove this shit in the room. We're and see like, what's I guess it sort of works. Well, yeah, but okay. <laughs> this leads us back into you've been working on a, a
0: space together. For the last three years, three years, yeah. three, three years, years, right? July. Gets the same thing that you guys were talking about earlier. All of a sudden, you start to know the space, but it's not just a space; it's each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it sort of seeps into your brain. It seeps in. It's like an automatic. So it's as well as ether, sp-
0: you've figured each other out in this really nice way that you can work together and sort of gel in a way that. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was. It was lovely how that show came together too, and it was really funny too because, in some ways, I think it made a lot of sense for us, and it made sense as an art show we couldn't decide whether it made sense for Jackson Hole and we were definitely sitting there at the opening, not. not
1: knowing anybody and we're like, does anyone like that? Did this? people come? Yeah, there's people, a bunch of people that People there. came. <laughs> yeah. And no, you know what, it, it does make sense in Jackson Hole actually. Yeah. It like sticks a finger in it, you know, because Jackson Hole is this very <laughs> kind of <laughs> like, it's like a a, a sort of, western town reinvented as a kind of conservative money magnet and it's like there's, a total money it's magnet. like an
2: aspen of wyoming yeah kind of oh thing. yeah it's but, so much money there and mm-hmm, you know and it's tons. like a
1: sort of it has a real direct relationship to the land and you know our both of our work does and has a that same relationship or has a relationship to the land in very different ways But we're really going about it very differently than, say, like Dick Cheney, (laughs) uh, who has a ranch there. Or the Walmart family. Or the Hallmark family. So, like, the work in some ways was really, you know, taking a finger and poking it in the sore spot of these people's relationship to landscape.
0: All the images look like a proper gallery. Yeah, it's a nice space. It looked really good. Mm Thanks. Thanks. It was impressive for for telling somebody to, uh, a big fuck you. It was a really good-looking fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can't give enough. Yeah, we keep it uh, juicy. Shout-out to,
2: to Andy Kincaid, who runs a space, too, because he really just is really deep generous in it and guy. makes amazing work unto his own right, too. Which oh, he's is, an artist. He's an artist, yeah. yeah. That's great. Artist running an artist project space in Jackson, and his whole impetus is just to try to pull artists from outside, you know, jackson from far flung places to show work there
0: i'm writing him tomorrow you should write him yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's good time <laughs> i want to say thank you for both of you guys being on i love pleasure. hearing about the space i'm sure you'll be back on again to talk more about uh, your individual works but also la and everything too
1: thanks for the invitation thank you very much for talking with us yeah thanks guys